The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, update on Dylan Brooks and the drama surrounding the Grizzlies. We'll break down the latest from Memphis as well as address the create free throw discrepancy between the Lakers and the Warriors, how the Wolves must rebuild around not Rudy Gobert, Drew Mazzilla getting spicy at the end of a press conference, plus some updates from around the league. Uh, Let's get right into it, Nick. Drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. All right, let's get right into it. It's been a hell of a week for our man Dylan Brooks. The last time we talked, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies had been eliminated, and Dylan Brooks wanted somewhere uh, to be extended, and there were talks about whether that would happen, and now we know for sure that the Memphis Grizzlies will not be extending Dylan Brooks. Why do we know that? Uh, Because according to Shams on Tuesday, uh, under no circumstances would the Grizzlies be bringing back Dylan Brooks next year. Oh, boy. Well... Uh, so the question though, at this point is why under no circumstances and who did Shams get the information from? Because on one side, uh, you have the agents getting very upset. And then on the other side, you've got the Memphis Grizzlies getting upset. No more Dylan Brooks in Memphis. So first of all, we got a whole bunch of outlets coming out. The Grizzlies felt that it was very unprofessional that the Grizzlies, uh, would say that about a current player, which... His agent, fairly, believes that it tanked Dylan Brooks's market for him. Nothing says you are more disposable than your current team saying, under no circumstances will we bring you back. Uh, it was also reported by Ramona Shelburne after that that Brooks was looking for $25 million a year. Bill Simmons, Kendrick Perkins, others, they came after the Grizzlies very hard. Uh Perkins tweeted, yeah, y'all can laugh all and joke all you want. I don't see a damn thing funny when it comes down to how Memphis handled the player that gave his all to that organization for three years, exclamation, 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 exclamation. It's not what you do. It's how you do it, real talk. 
So, yeah, everybody's pissed. No one is more pissed than uh, Brooks's agent, Mike George. He tweeted out this, which I thought was wild. Sham Sharanya, the leader of spreading false news and attacking players. Why any player in the league talks to this guy blows my mind. This sounds like Jimmy Butler's agent that got really mad at Shams like two years ago. This little tempest in a teapot reached its peak when J.J. Redick uh, decided to fill in from, for Stephen A. Smith and give his best Stephen A. Smith impression. Making Dylan Brooks the scapegoat, but whoever put that language and approved that language in the tweet, yeah, that person wants to make Dylan Brooks the scapegoat. The reality is the Grizzlies have other problems besides Dylan Brooks. And whether they choose to bring him back or don't choose, or you know, whatever it may be. I can't remember a time in my now 17 years either being in the NBA or covering the NBA where we're in the second round of the playoffs, the day of a game where two of the greatest players ever are getting ready to square off and we're just tweeting out things for engagement. Like, is that where we're at? Is that where – actually, you know what? I, I, I will, I'd be willing to bet. Uh, I, I, I would be willing to bet that it wasn't the Grizzlies. I don't know who it was, actually, because the Grizzlies say it wasn't from us. We don't like this. Bringing a lot of heat, heat on our organization. The agent's like, this guy's a clown. So I don't know. All I know is that Shams is a highly sourced reporter. So he got it from somebody. He does not come out with statements without a rock-solid uh, source. So whoever gave him that inside info, I doubt we'll ever find out. But J.J. Redick, do not come after Sham Sharanya's integrity. The bi bigger question, though, is now that this is all said and done and the dust has settled, where does Dylan Brooks end up? It's not Memphis. Given that the controversy is his career actually damaged uh, by this news about the Grizz not wanting him back, the answer is maybe, short answer. He will 100% sign with the team next year. Will it be for the amount that he turned down, which was $18 million per year? Probably not. He might get somewhere closer to 11 or 12, which would be Dylan Brooks doing a Dennis Schroeder impressionation. Impressionation, that's what kind of day we are, an impression and an impersonation. And I'm sure he's going to likely help his next team a lot. I'm hearing Sacramento, Portland. You know the team that I haven't heard that I think would be an awesome fit for Dylan Brooks? Team that needs defense, a team that has a plethora of shooters already, well, at least a couple of shooters that you can rely on in Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, is Dallas. I think Dallas would be an interesting spot for him. All three of those teams need defense. I think the Mavs are the best fit. Also, Houston, I think Ime Udoka would love the competitiveness of Dylan Brooks. He would take Dylan Brooks and mold him into his Marcus Smart and make him the leader and the firebrand of the defense. As for Memphis, what are they going to do? That's a big question. So you've already jettisoned him. You've given yourself no options in case you have no other wing to find. So you've got to put your eggs in the OG and an OB sweepstakes, uh, and maybe the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes. Probably would help the Grizzlies a lot, either one of those guys. That is the problem, though. With publicly cutting ties with Dylan Brooks, you have no options. He plays a position that's very hard to replace. Are you going to replace Dylan Brooks with Luke Kennard full-time? Oof. It's a very in-demand position. You, you've got maybe go after Dorian Finney-Smith. Maybe go after Cam Johnson. Jeremy Grant. Maybe you bring back Jay Crowder as well. Jay Crowder's a very good defensive player. He didn't like his role in Milwaukee. Guys who can play two-way defense and hit a three. Everybody wants a three-and-D player. 
I think the Grizzlies are going to have to regret how things worked out with them and Dylan Brooks because he was the longest tenured Grizzly there, and let's face it, he is not the reason that the Memphis Grizzlies flamed out. He was one of the reasons, but let's not act like the whole John Morant situation didn't happen. The bottom line is that Draymond Green is a fucking oracle. What did he say? He said two months ago, the dynasty starts after you, not with you. Not the last you'll hear of Dylan Brooks, Dylan the villain. It is the last you'll hear of him in a Grizzlies uniform. One of the biggest storylines coming out of game one of the Lakers-Warriors series, besides the fact that the Warriors lost two games in a row at Chase, uh, is the massive discrepancy in free throws. Of course, there's a lot of people being like, oh, the Lakers getting all the best whistles. And they are. They led the NBA in free throw attempts this year. That should not surprise anyone. LeBron James, after that terrible call, Jason Tatum slashing his arm. And from then on, they were the had the best whistle in the league. But game one, very interesting. Lakers shot 29 free throws, and the Warriors shot six. Let's say that again. The Lakers shot 29 free throws. The Warriors shot six. The Lakers went 25 for 29 from the line, and that was pretty much what held them to keep their lead, which is a hilarious stat, in part because it is, it's absolutely glorious uh, to hear Warriors fans complain. One of my favorite things are for Warriors fans to understand what it means to, like, play against the Warriors. Let's finally, finally get it. Has anybody seen such a discrepancy before? What is this injustice? It's like that. Yeah, that's like what it means to play the Warriors every year. It's like that's what it is. Like you, congratulations. Now you know how other people feel. Uh, and here's the funny thing: like the Warriors didn't even get that bad of a whistle. They just hit all their shots off the perimeter, and the Lakers did all their damage in the paint. So it's really hard to get to the line. When you're shooting 53 threes, 53, 50% of the Warriors' shots came from beyond the arc. Steph Curry even knows this. Post-game, he took responsibility for the disparity. He says, yeah, shooter gets 10 free throws. That can't happen. Whether we think it's a foul or not, we put ourselves in that situation. Ipso facto, he does not think that shooter deserved 10 free throws. We'll have to talk about playoff shooter because he's a different beast. He's like little baby Rondo out there, the second coming. Uh, but Steph's point's very clear. The Lakers are going to continue to attack and attack and attack the paint. And the Warriors need to be smarter about taking those baits. And Draymond Green just needs to play better. And he needs to play more often. Uh, conversely, we won't get a ton of free throws when you only drive to the paint 28 times. Warriors averaged 38 drives a game in the regular season. And they only get, had 28 in game one. So, yeah, even if Dubs fans are irate about it, it has happened all year. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Lakers led the league in frequency of shots at the rim. And, of course, that means they're probably going to shoot a lot of free throws. Uh, people point to Austin Reeves, his incredible jump in free throws this year, as the proof that the Lakers get every whistle. But he's also doubled the amount number of free throw attempts this year, and that it does kind of seem a little sus until you realize his free throw rate is actually lower than his last year at Oklahoma. He has always gotten to the line. That is what he does. So although we know that referee bias is real, and although I would love the Warriors to feel what it means to get a bad whistle, 
this is not the series where the gap is going to change, and that does not mean that the Warriors are getting fucked over. But if our dubs, I tell you what, don't get to the line 12, 15 times a game, it's going to be hard to beat those Lakers. It really is. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, move on. We've been talking a long time about how bad that Rudy Gobert trade is, and I feel slightly vindicated today. Uh, John Krasinski dropped a detailed think piece on Ant Edwards. Everybody knows I love Ant Edwards. He's my favorite player, one of my favorite players in the league. We did a little draft the other day. Players under 23 that you want to take first is Anthony Edwards for me. Um, The Athletic agrees. They did their mock draft. They took Ant above jaw for the first time, making him the number one overall pick. But John Hollinger wrote this about Ant. He's growing into a dominant scorer, but he's also a two-way player. And that defense is the difference between him and Morant. Edwards is younger, bigger, and a slightly better shooter right now, and a better defender. Yeah, I think that was a revelation to a lot of people watching Edwards go absolutely bonkers in the playoffs. Many casual fans. I... I went to a Mets game last year, swear to God, for the group group no-hitter, the collective no-hitter. And this man who was sitting next to me did not know who Anthony Edwards was. He was an Ed, Ant, I will never forget it. He was an NBA fan, did not know who Anthony Edwards was. That's the definition of a casual NBA fan. And casual NBA fans seem to not really know or be aware of what Anthony Edwards could do. But in the playoffs, Aunt Edward made his position and his, uh, uh, his existence known. 32-5-5 five five, with two steals and two blocks per game. And he only averaged one and a half turnovers against the best team in the West, the same team that is beating the brakes off the Phoenix Suns. The kid's 21. So it's also caused the Timberwolves to completely shift their focus now on how this team is built. The Wolves started this season believing that the path to a championship revolved around two seven-footers. They sold half the ranch, as we know, for Rudy Gobert to pair him with Carl Anthony Towns in an effort to reconstruct a Twin Towers era that we saw so often in the 1990s. Turns out, doesn't work well. Uh, turns out when everyone's going small, you going big sometimes puts you at even more of a disadvantage. After a very mediocre se- season in which we saw all of Gobert's liabilities come into focus, uh, the Wolves are now singing a very different tune, apparently, about how they want to create their roster. According to On the Edge of Failure GM Tim Connolly, I think pretty much every decision we're going to make moving forward is going to be with Ant Paramount. Anthony Edwards, as you might remember, was not consulted or even thought about 
when the Rudy Gobert trade took place. They were thinking about how do we maximize Carl Anthony Towns. I am telling you now, and I said it before the season, I said it during the season, I said this in the playoffs, I told my friend, I told you, Nick, I told the internet, I said, Anthony Edwards is the steak. Carl Anthony Towns is the potatoes. If you are building your meal around the potatoes and not the steak, you are going to have a shit meal. You need to trade one of your side dishes, Carl Anthony Towns most likely, in order to get assets to build around the steak. Pretty simple. Anthony Edwards, when you watch him play basketball, yeah, he's the guy. Everybody else, mm, take him or leave him. Love Jaden McDaniels. He's a compliment. He isn't a mousse-bouge. He is not the entree. People fought me on this, and frankly, God damn it, it was an embarrassing moment for them. There was ever, never, even my man Nick Nurse, who was stumping for his friend Chris Finch, trying to go out there and paint a rosy picture about what the Wolves were fucking doing when they brought Rudy Gobert in. He's like, oh, yeah, zig when everybody's eggs. <sighs> this season, this summer, I'm not allowing this bullshit to happen anymore. I am going to clap back and say, that don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. There is no longer a question about where this team's future is headed. It is the Ant Show. He is Ant-Man. It is now Guardians of the Galaxy and him. Anything that gets in the way of making Ant the star uh, is a no-go. If that means cutting ties with the past franchise centerpiece and Carl Anthony Towns, so be it. If that means you have to flip Rudy a year after making that big-ass trade, so be it. Why do I think Carl Anthony Towns is gone? Because I thought he was going to be gone in December. You can't have mashed potatoes and fried potatoes on the fucking plate. And quite frankly, that's what they are, right? Uh, we need some diversity on this plate in order to, like, make it work. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep the potatoes or the mashed ones, but, like, you can't have them both. And you gave up five first-rounders if you count Walker Kessler. Along with three good players. Rough. So, Cat's got to be on the chopping block. Because a ton of teams want him as a third option. You could probably get some of your assets back. Ant Edwards is going to be a first-team All-Pro sooner rather than later. Probably next year. He's probably going to be first or second All-NBA next year. He has not only the game, but the personality to drive this franchise forward. If you're Minnesota, you do whatever you can to keep him cozy. Because in the star-driven era, when guys move around uh, like like their teams are just Airbnbs, uh, you got to make somebody feel like that's their home. This team is going to win. And they, he's, they're only going to win because he's the best young player in the NBA, and it's not particularly close. Do everything that you possibly can, Minnesota, to maximize his talents. So this funny thing happened out in Boston. Uh, and the funny thing was that game one happened between the Celtics and the Sixers, and they let their foot off the gas without Joel Embiid, and they lost. And it was ugly. They collapsed. It was the Joe Missoula slander was at an all-time high. The crowd was and the cries were getting louder. And I think Joe Missoula uh, may be listening to First Take a little bit because Joe Missoula might be hearing the Joe Missoula slanders as well. How do I know? Well, after they won game two quite handily against the Philadelphia 76ers, Joe Missoula 
had uh, had this to say. You know, we got great looks and we made the right play every single time. Thank you, Joe. You don't want to. Nobody wants to ask about all the adjustments we made from game one and game two. Nobody wants to ask about all the adjustments we made from game one and game two, and then he just leaves. If you look at the face he is making, you could tell he is annoyed as hell about the fact that they lost game one and he heard the slander. It's clear Joe is feeling the heat in Boston. You don't hear a lot of coaches who are 34 years old and the wonderkind, the the Nate Nathan Shelleys of the fucking Ted Lasso Celtics. And I imagine doing somersaults in the middle of the locker room and shit. Come on, Joel. I was told by someone that said, Joe Mazzula can't believe he's coaching the Celtics. I still cannot believe that. Neither can we, Joe. But here he is at the helm of the best remaining team in the East and one that should probably be going to the finals for a second straight year. They have probably the most talented roster in the East now that the Bucks are gone. Uh but let's be real. Let's not act like the Celtics don't do bizarre things down the stretch of games. What was that Marcus Smart play? Why did Marcus Smart have the ball in game one with like 15 seconds left? Why, why is he involved in this play at all? Like, why did Jason Tatum touch the ball? It's not about the adjustments, Joe. It's the fact that that shit took place to begin with. Why did Jalen Brown not see the ball in the fourth quarter? Why? All these questions I would probably ask but I am not having access to Joe Missoula. He has had a lot of criticism due to his infrequent use of timeouts, uh, his weird-ass rotations where he played Rob Williams like 20 minutes and started Al Horford, his tactics, like I said, in the fourth quarter. The Celtics have blown so many fourth-quarter leads, I feel like I'm watching Brad Stevens again. Oh, is Joe Missoula a championship-quality coach? I don't know. I don't know, but I do I do know my dog Emma doesn't believe so because she's in the background barking every time I say the word Joe Missoula. She's not a fan, and I don't think I am either. When you look at Joe Missoula versus a guy like Eric Spolstra, for example, I don't think it's particularly close. Do you, Emma? Woof. Updates on the second round series going on right now. Celtics, like I said, are tied 1-1 as Philadelphia waltzed into TD Garden, uh, stole home court, 45 points for James Harden on your head. And he said something that was so funny. He goes, everybody said I couldn't be this crazy scorer anymore, and then I do it. But the reality is when I was doing it, you told me that was not a winning mentality. Then I was, like, putting up 20 assists on your head, and you're like, oh, he's not the same elite scorer that he used to be. That's facts. How would Boston respond? They blew the doors off the Sixers, who got part of MB back. They looked not very good. It was not an MVP portion of, of Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid is only like 80% MVP and the other 20% goes to like Jokic, that 20% uh, was what showed up on game two. So we head back to Philly now with the Sixers having a chance to take complete control of the series if they, if they hold home court. I think this thing goes seven. A team playing the best basketball right now in the league is the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets have taken a 2-0 lead at the crib against the Phoenix Suns. Never was it particularly close. Jokic is balling 
along with Jamal Murray. Even Jamal Murray with his bad game on Game 2, which I think he only had 10, still played phenomenal in Game 1. Nuggets bench is just so much better than everybody else. The Suns are in danger of getting swept. I think it's a wrap. I think it's night-night. I think they are dead. CP3 is now injured, has a groin injury. I mean, what's new? It's, it's May. Like if Have you ever seen CP3 in May healthy, fully? I haven't. Without him, I don't think this is going to be particularly close. Uh, Knicks in the Heat, they are tied up 1-1. But it is deflating if you were in New York. You probably should have won game one. Uh, you barely beat the Heat in game two without Jimmy Butler. And Julius Randle has been playing well, but you're going to need even more for him uh, from him for game three. Of course, like I said, the Heat were without Jimmy Butler, and that showed. Uh, he's probably good to go. For whatever reason, it's like five days between Game 2 and Game 3. So Jimmy is chilling right now. Literally, his ankle is in a bucket of ice right now as we speak. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the Lakers and the Warriors. Lakers are up 1-0. By the time this comes out, you will know whether the Warriors came back and got the second game at the crib. If they go, out, go down 2-0 at chase... And now they head to the crypt. I don't know. They might be in trouble. Our dubs. I have like 15 bets on them to win the West and to win the title because I was not hoping that they would go 1-2-3 Cancun against the Lakers. I'll just tell you that. I was hoping either Kings or against the Nuggets. I do not think they want to go seven games with the Lakers because the Nuggets are coming. They will be fully rested. AD and Braun can win either of those game sevens by themselves. And that's the danger of the closeout game. At this point, the Warriors probably going to be considering themselves lucky to get to a game seven they could lose in six Jonathan Kaminga is publicly bitching about his role on the team saying he's not getting enough minutes he went from 21 minutes per game when Andrew Wiggins was on walkabout obviously in the regular season to under three minutes in their game one loss uh but did you see the three minutes that he had in game one I think he was like a negative 15 I think he gave up 15 consecutive points and allowed the Kings to win that game single-handedly. So, sorry, Jonathan Kaminga. You just bought yourself a one-way ticket to Detroit to play with your best friend, uh, James Wiseman. Because I tell you what, if by the grace of God Bob Myers comes back, he is not allowing that shit. And the new GM is not allowing that shit either if Bob Myers does go. So, interesting shit around the league. These playoffs are heating up, and I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's even good. I don't know who's even bad. That's where we're at right now. Are the Heat good? I don't know. Are the Knicks bad? I don't know. Are the Suns cooked? With Kevin Durant? Probably. Probably. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with an all-new episode, which you will get Tuesday. We'll get into the meat and potatoes of the second round. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please tell them that I'm on my last leg of my vocal cords. I'm still coming out, giving you the podcast. Follow us on social. This Heat Check, which, by the way, we just hit 100,000 on TikTok. So thank you to all the supporters. Uh, Trista Crick on TikTok and on Instagram, which we just hit 43,000 on Instagram. So lots of growth here, and I couldn't have done it without y'all. We will see you on Tuesday.